Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of bartending as always, the show of Chicago, Virginia, coming out in a small town, and of course, Houston love. Today's guest is the amazing Hal Brock, the smooth, low baritone tones of Hal Brock's voice will guide you through this conversation so beautifully. He currently works for Parse Rum, a Colombian rum. I got to try the eight and 12-year varieties. This stuff is remarkable, and it was a great time to taste it with Hal as the premiere of Netflix's Narcos Season 2 was just around the corner. It was a wonderful event, but you might know Hal from such bars as Anvil. You might know Hal from working at Glazer's Distribution, and you might currently know Hal from working behind the bar at Captain Foxheart's Bad News Bar and Spirits Lodge. So, Hal's done a lot of different things, and we dive into it. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with Hal Brock. A lot of people don't realize what rum is, that it's not just uh, that they're ins and outs that you can kind of play with and little loopholes you can fall into. Right. But you're talking about dozens of countries that are producing a similar spirit. Sure. And there are no common regulations. That's it. And so well, and it, how can there be? There's there no can't be. Governing, yeah. which is actually to their advantage. Yeah, it think. works out perfect. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of nice. And uh, one thing that actually benefits rum is uh, that that creates this amazing amount of diversity within the category. Yeah. So you can go from an agricult to like your old port or your old monk, and then mm-hmm. you get these weird things coming out of, like, Thailand. And, I mean, people don't know that one of the top five producers of rum in the world is in the Philippines. I had no idea. And another one of the top five is in India. Really? Yeah. I had no idea that was yeah. even a natural resource in India. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they've got tigers, um, but you can't make, you can't really squeeze them so much. It's, it's, not, <laughs> like, it's not that, you know, it's um, dangerous spirit. Yeah, way. for sure. But, but India it, is actually one of the largest drinkers of rum I on the no planet. Idea. So yeah. globally, because obviously, you know, doing this rum thing for you, what is India the largest spot? Uh, well, largest consumers? I think the U.S. probably wins Still. that battle. Yeah. Because uh, the Philippines are the largest consumers of gin worldwide. Do you know that? Really? Gin? Yeah. It's over 5%. Of, actually, it's even larger than that. Of the overall, oh, wow. category, gin is 5% globally. The Philippines drinks the most. Now, I don't know if it's good gin. I've never yeah. been to the Philippines. Probably yeah. rubbish. But but, but still, gin. God bless them. They're going to drink know. that much. Isn't that crazy? I was in the Philippines in January, and I don't remember seeing anybody drinking gin. It's so strange. I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, at least these marketing reports, if you pay for it, yeah. well. <laughs> Mike, go to the Philippines. This is yeah. exactly where, where the business needs to go. I'm like, God damn it, really? All right, right. fair enough. But so... This seems like a recent chapter with the rum piece, which we'll talk about Parse here in a second. But you, are you a Houston guy? Uh, I'm originally from Virginia. Really? Uh, so I grew up and studied journalism in Virginia, actually. Really? Um, and the great thing about a journalism degree, it teaches you how to tell a wonderful story. But sure. because I didn't major in something else, I didn't have a story to tell. 
Um, and uh, <laughs> no, sorry. no frats, I hope. No frats. Like that? There yeah. were no frats. I, I did a couple parties. Might have made out with a girl or two, actually. Sure. Which was even more interesting. But um, <laughs> the memoirs are in the work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when I graduated, I ran a magazine for a little bit, and I was like, "This isn't. This isn't what I was meant to be doing. I'm gonna. Did, I'm gonna go back to what I was doing during college." Which. Which, okay, so yeah, so yeah. The, the magazine wasn't journalism to uh, you? It, or, or it, was it was journalism. It just wasn't where I was supposed to be. Where did you um, shift then? I shifted back to uh, bars and restaurants. Really? And I actually started working at Outback Steakhouse. And I was wow. there for three and a half years. I did like corporate trainings and openings and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and the one thing about that is like, yeah, maybe it wasn't the best product, but their training program is impeccable. And so when it comes to having someone who whatever background they came in for mm. uh when you bring them behind the bar i can turn that person into whatever i want right because be. it's a great corporate program yeah. it's consistent um well and, so this this kind of brings an interesting point because i love i love journalism and actually love to talk about the common state of quote-unquote journalism right yeah. i i dog on thrillist all the time because if that's <laughs> equated to journalism we're all kind of fucked yeah. but you know, it's a slippery slope. There. Were you writing like, in high school as well? Was it? Uh, no, high school. I was much more focused on music and art. I was really? doing photography. Or did you um, play music at all? I did. Uh, I played alto and baritone saxophone, flute, and piccolo. Alto, man. Um, yeah, my father was a choir director. My mom was first soprano in the church choir. Really? We all did some kind of music. So that was that was what I grew up on. So it was it like growing up in the church? Or not I grew up really. in the church until I had to get confirmed and realized that there might be some diversions <laughs> between the beliefs. What denomination? Uh, but yeah. If you if you care, uh, I grew up Methodist. Methodist. Yeah. I heard they. I was an acolyte. I was in the handbell choir. Really? Yeah. I don't know. Do you ever play any jugs? I've always wanted to play jugs. Um, I don't know. We did a real interesting thing. My uncle, he actually lives down in Panama, um, really? and uh, he was huge into like the Native American powwows when they would come around, yeah. and so he'd always get like the wood flutes. Um, and like weird drums. And when he moved down to Panama, he brought all the instruments with him. And so for Christmas one year, we got him a uh, washboard and a wooden spoon <laughs> because in <laughs> Panama, they didn't have that because they were just washing it on the rocks like like most of the That's world. That's a bit, yeah, but yeah. we take that for granted. And so it was something really beautiful that That's they were incredible. like, oh, this is a, yeah. You know, my mom, we, we lived in Arizona near a reservation for yeah. some time and uh, she collects those Indian drums. Yeah. That's and real I, cool. It is cool, man. Yeah. It's like an art form in itself but so music makes a lot of sense did you feel like pursuing that in college at all or it was just um, time to move on no i didn't feel like pursuing it in college because it, it takes it from a anytime you turn a hobby into a, a job yeah. it kind of kills it for you i, to a I always wonder about porn stars yeah and that's i'm not even trying to be yeah, funny but like yeah. that is the textbook yeah for sure because how do you enjoy that anymore right i'm just um, go, i want to go read encyclopedia yeah like, that's it. with um, a robe on yeah i mean i i guess in college uh Music for most people just turns into this thing that everybody clicks on. And yeah. so you're like, oh, what kind of music do you listen to? Ooh, and that becomes the point, thing. Yeah. Um, but Did music kind of fell by the wayside. Uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of music. Do you identify with any kind of music? Like, I love music so much. Um, I mean, the the music that I probably gravitate toward the most is yeah. like the neo-soul, like Erica Badu, Jill oh, Scott yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. What about um, uh, Jan- Janelle? Janelle Monae is yes, wonderful. Amazing, right? Yeah. Greatest hair in she the She gets biz. a little aggro every once in a sure. while. but. She's so uh, small, too. No, she's small, but her beats are on point. She knows how to party. Good performance. Uh, it's a good too. time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, I mean, it's a good, yeah. definitely a good genre. And so you do in the, the school thing, did it feel a little bit more open, like culturally? No, I'm not uh, saying I know much. Well, I was still in the closet when I went touring schools. And okay. The, the Pride Alliance at George Mason, where I went to school outside of D.C., 
had put a mural up. And as I was going through orientation, I was like, yeah, we're going here. <laughs> um, but then you get there and uh, George Mason is actually, at the time, I think it was the third most diverse. I believe it's the first most diverse, if not really? the second. And just uh, outside that of in NYU. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Um, but it was amazing because you, I mean, I grew up in a small town in Virginia. It was mm. like, we had a Pakistani foreign exchange student and a couple Latinos. And that That's was it. like the extent of the diversity. So you can't even, um, are you even able to do the thing that you need to do, be yourself in a situation like 100%. that? 100%. Yeah, you yeah. still can. Are people oh, supportive? Course. They don't care? Yeah, I mean, it was a school where... No, sorry, I mean, in the town, in Virginia. Oh, in my hometown. Yeah. Uh, you know, I came out two weeks before I left for college, so that <laughs> Dude, in case everybody was okay with it, yeah. I would be, like, more confident. But yeah. just in case everybody hated it, I was out in two weeks anyway. That's a good, you know, that's a good um, plan. Two I mean, the notice. people that I still visit and see when I go back to the town isn't really a thing. Um, and that's it's a little great. more of a progressive town than uh, most parts of Virginia. Hence um, why I asked. I'm yeah. you know, you know. Um, but it was close to it was close to Richmond. Um, yeah. It was actually a vacation town when the Confederate States of America were capitaled in Richmond. Really, we were the vacation town where Robert E. Lee went. Patrick Henry's home, uh, his whole estate is right there. No kidding. So it's um, beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, lush uh, and great architecture. And yeah, all. I mean, I forgot what back roads were because I have in Houston we don't have those. No, you like roads, roads with like embankments and like blind turns. It's yeah. not a thing you get in Houston. That's so. Um, it's it's an amazing thing. Yeah. What you know? Because I'm really curious. What kind of magazine was it that you're working for that became uh, that point? So I worked for the uh, American Psychological Society. Really? Uh, I had a window office two blocks from the White House the day I graduated from college, which is like seems That's amazing. Incredible, yeah. Um, but but it was uh, it was a nonprofit, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, a lot of nonprofits have this little thing where they'll use their entire budget by the end of the year <laughs> and like. Make sure that they. Well, we thought keep Frank getting... wanted a going away yeah, party. Of course. Now. What are we gonna? Um, but it was just a. I mean, office politics isn't a thing I can do in a bar, or a restaurant. Like you have beef with somebody, you yell at them, it's over. You go about right. it. Go back to your business. In, like, in office politics, there's like two weeks of drawn out closed door conversations, and then yeah. maybe you'll hear about it, or maybe they'll decide to to parlay that conversation till later. And that's yeah. just not something. Resentment's not a me. good thing. Uh, resentment's not a good thing, and that's that's uh, what that's what it encourages. Yeah, that kind of for culture. Sure. It's like, man, I really hate that guy, but only because yeah. I haven't talked to him about the problems I have with him. Yeah, right. Today, I've waited um, two weeks. I don't know, and just a, a bar and a restaurant is a, it's just much easier to bitch at each other and have it be over with. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Much more extrovert. Kind yeah, of for sure. So, what were you doing? Anything kind of like uh, I'd say behind the bar before going into the training program, or was that the first foray into um, hospitality? I mean, I was waiting tables and bartending through college gotcha uh so that was just kind of how i paid the bills i usually uh for a while there i was a florist during the day really i bartended at night you really had to put out some memoirs this is a lovely lovely blend you know my mother calls me a dilettante (laughs) uh good at plenty master a sugar baker no sorry um but no it was just a nice balance and a, a way of doing things uh i don't think i was necessarily doing anything crazy behind the bar, but I really liked cooking and putting different things together the same way you do in music. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Kind of in a uh, sensory yeah, way, a non-oral in a, way. In a very sensory way. I mean, yeah. the, the way that I process music and flavors is actually very geometric. So when I go to put a cocktail, I'm like, okay, you have a square. Yes. You can only fit one triangle or like That's one amazing. really sharp yes. thing, like a bitters or a citrus um, that really punches. And then everything else has to kind of round out the corners i love that and i, um, I can i very much relate to that way it of makes thinking sense. about with i i think of it as uh because i love to mix and i've been recording and all this yeah. blah, 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 but 
I think of it as the perfect band as a trio, right? So you got a bassist, yeah. you got a drummer. Kick drum doesn't interfere with the bass drum. It's much lower, yeah. much darker, much more bitter, like yeah. coffee. You got the Light bass, the high notes, and the mids. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, so angular and triangular yeah. in this case. But does that allow you to... I don't know how people work necessarily, like yeah. when they create cocktails, but do you actually visualize it in your head? Um, I mean, the way that I think about cocktails, uh, you can do just about anything. A lot of people have rules and kind of, this is how these are supposed to go together and this is what you mix with. And yeah. you can read things like the Flavor Bible where you pick one flavor and it gives you 20 things to put next sure. to it. Um, but the way I think about it, I, I think about who I want to be to star. Yeah. And generally, that's a duo. So you pick one super weird ingredient. Uh-huh. People are like, how did you put that with this? Right. And then the rest of the ingredients are just a way to put them together. Does I that love make it. sense? It does. Because um, hollow can... notes are too homogenous. Those guys are too <laughs> kind of on the yeah. same level. Yeah. But if you want Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins yeah. post, you know, the, that yeah. version of Jess, then you're talking about yeah. like Strega, but then gin or something. Yeah. Right? Like something dark. But I mean, if you want to go, um, say you go super niche, let's do like Batavia Rock. Yeah. You pick a really strange ingredient, and then you're like, I want to pair that with epazote. And you're like, <laughs> okay. And then the rest of it is just simple, clean, easy flavors. Right. A little bit of sugar, a little bit of citrus to balance and tie those things together. Because otherwise, you're dealing with uh, Zappa. It's yeah. just all like cluttered <laughs> yeah. and shit. And like yeah. it's esoteric. But there's got to, I mean, it's it's just like when you're writing a story, there has to be a storyline. Yeah. You know, there has to be something that connects them. And the, That's very true. Yeah. And my favorite is actually to, like, when you think of, a quintessential story or an experience and mm-hmm. it's like what what is that like you pick a country or you pick a, a story one yeah. of my favorite cocktails that i ever created uh it was on the menu at julep actually alba's wow. bar uh, and it was called the appalachian whip and there was this gentleman and he was a uh, presbyterian preacher if okay. i'm not mistaken and he's at julep he no no no, no. okay this okay. is during the civil war oh we did, I see, a, I see. we did a menu that was called trading with the enemy and so oh, it was geez. Uh, playing on the instances where the North and the South, even though they were fighting to survive, they traded things. Really? Okay. But you don't realize that, but that's a time where it's like, there's nobody running a helicopter up to the front lines to bring you cans of green beans or whatever. Um, And this guy, uh, he was a preacher in Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. uh, And he was an absolute pain in the ass. And a lot of (laughs) people don't realize that uh, when slavery was a thing, even though you're in the South, a lot of those areas are super mountainous. And so it's not a lucrative thing for them to have what slaves. Are they, what are people going to dig up? Exactly. Right? There's nothing. Yeah. It's like, I got I got a couple of horses. We got enough. There's a little shine coming off the still. We're yeah. good. Yeah. Um, but this guy was in the mountains in Knoxville, and uh, they wanted him to pledge his allegiance to the, the Confederate States. And he was like, no, fuck that. And so he didn't. And they okay. put him in jail for it. And what he did while he was in jail is he just wrote journal entries about how they were treating all the northern soldiers and then found a way to get them out so that they could get run up to the north. And so all these generals in the north knew what was happening to their prisoners. Wow. And so he was such a pain in the ass that they released him to the north. And then he did a speaking tour all over Appalachia. Jesus, so he went through really? Pennsylvania. He actually hid out in Georgia for a little bit. He was from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. He hit a little bit of Kentucky, Virginia. And he was going up through New- upstate New York and all that stuff. That's incredible. Ohio, Indiana. Um, they don't want to deal with him. They just released yeah, it. <laughs> but the whip is what you call like the, the head of a party. But it's oh, also right. what they called the journalists at the time. Uh, no kidding. And it was the name of his paper. It was the Knoxville Whip. That's incredible. Okay. And so it just paired all of these Appalachian flavors. So when you're looking at Pennsylvania, you get the ginger beer that they were borrowing from mm-hmm. Europe. Uh, you get the, the raisins, the molasses. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky gives you the mint. 
Tennessee gives you the Tennessee whiskey. It was George Dickel number 12 in yeah, there. Yeah. Uh, and then a little peach. And it was amazing. That's super insanely rich, inspiring. Super um, but that's how I like to create a cocktail. <laughs> you know, it's a tad bit involved. I mean, that is yeah. uh, like I've paying... been doing it for 15 years. If I'm not involved yet. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, paying homage to history like that yeah. with coloring it with flavor yeah. in a way. But it, I know? mean, I, I told really bad stories in high school. And so I'm pretty sure I went to get a degree in journalism because my friend Martha made fun of how terrible my stories were all the time. And so if I can bring the storytelling skills I got <laughs> during four years of college. I guess that's how Zuckerberg bar, did stuff, right? Like some girl made him mad. He's like, well, I'm going to go get girls. Yeah, now. people do that all the time. That's very true. Um, I believe that's but a yeah, that was mechanism. Yeah, but it was. Uh, <laughs> it's just a nice way to tie everything together. And, yeah. you know, uh, when you're talking to two, 300 people in a week, you got to find something to talk to them about. And very let's true. be real, 50% of those people maybe aren't my people. Yeah. But I'm going to make them feel like that because that's, that's my job to make But that's a story that anybody can connect with. Yeah, for Various sure. Yeah. Either if they support the Confederacy or if they yeah. support the North. Yeah. Well, it's like, he didn't really support either of them. Yeah, but. which is even more amazing, <laughs> yeah. right? Just yeah. kind of like a Bernie Sanders guy. Yeah, Just for sure. Doing his own shit. For sure. Being but a real country. Curmudgeon, <laughs> you know. Wow. Yeah. Some people might disagree. But how long then? I'm, I'm wondering what this... Were you, so the Outback stuff, was that still in Virginia or had you moved oh, it? Uh, well, that was what got me to Chicago. I just transferred. Beauty okay. of corporate America. You can be like, Absolutely. transfer request, done. Why Chicago? Uh, I really wanted to... I Once I got to Outback, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I was super diligent. And then about a year and a half in, I was like, I'm not going to do food and beverage in Northern Virginia. This is not the place. Yeah. And so I thought about New York. Um New York tends to be a bit abrasive um, and maybe not the, the <laughs> easiest atmosphere. And so I picked Chicago. Um, I actually got promoted from Chicago to the restaurant in New York. Uh, so it really? kind of kicked me in so the you, ass. But I ended up in New York anyway. Um, but enough. Chicago was just a, a good town. You know, yeah. it's got People the are culture. There. They're really great. The one thing that you don't realize, New York has plenty of beverage professionals. Sure. They also have plenty of people that wanted to be actors, actresses, or whatever famous role they could envision themselves in right. that ended up on that side. Yeah. Um, and so oh even in so the good restaurants, people. there's still a few of them where like, like when I was training in New York, I walked up to, we, do, we did mock service when I was at that restaurant. Uh, and it was like, don't be afraid to smile when you walk up to the table. And the server looks at me and he's like, this is New York, bitch. <laughs> and I was like, Yeah. It is, and people come from all over the world to see you smile yeah, no while you serve them a $300 dinner. Stop being a dick. Um, so New York was interesting, but Chicago, uh, there's so many more beverage professionals that wanted to be there, and that that's was where the they are, they and that's there. 100% what they want to do. Yeah. Um, whether or not they end up staying in a restaurant or a bar or moving into some other part of the industry, that, that was what they wanted what to do. What year were we talking roughly? Uh, I was in Chicago from 2006 to 2009 2010 oh so it's that's when it's really starting to emerge this yeah. industry this yeah for sure what it god forbid we use craft but yeah. that mindset you know, yeah for sure put and focus on these um movies. i don't know do you know who manit shohan is uh, yeah manit uh on she's she a judge on chops she right? was one of the judges on Chop. that was yeah, yeah she was my chef in chicago are you York. kidding me no um and she was amazing and even though she was uh primarily in the kitchen uh, she had a very heavy hand in like making sure the bar was doing stuff. So even really? though we weren't like super crafty, like I probably didn't know what a bucare was at the time. Yeah. But uh, 
she was doing like we had a fresh lime pear and green chili and it was a little pear liqueur fresh tomato jalapeno it was delicious yeah, nice perfect. citrusy bright uh we had like a saffron cardamom liqueur that we made in house and did this real like super lush rich sweet martini yeah uh, but it was perfect for dessert um, and it went with the food great um and so she actually is the one that because i've been a meat and potatoes guy i mean i worked at outback steakhouse and roost chris was oh, like that's fair yeah um but that's what you do when you're in virginia and you're not like well, you'd, you would, just eat meat How do you potatoes. know what to do, yeah. right? Yeah. But with her, it, was, uh, it wasn't it was just the Indian because uh, it, the restaurant was Indian and Latin American fusion. Okay. And so you get all of these like grandma slaved for five hours or five days right. flavors. And there's these gorgeous, like rich, spicy layers. And then all of these subtleties you don't imagine. And then you pair that with like fresh jicama and fresh sliced citrus. Something nice and natural. you get and this natural. wonderful like Latin vibrance next to it. Wow. And it was gorgeous yeah and so the juxtaposition of flavors like that the the opposite end Which ingredients you're about, very yeah. much something that's, that's it's it. almost like perennial and then uh historical like a, yeah. so bourbon or if you talk about the dickle right yeah could have been up to 12 years old depending which sure. it is but then <laughs> the rock that's like yeah. pretty quick fresh yeah, new make sure. right off the still yeah. punchy I, I love that thought because if you think about it and i try not to get too metaphoric in these chats but i i love when people when they maybe they don't even know that the things that motivate them are paying tribute to the past while also paying tribute to the present, you know, yeah. I mean? and combining those two yeah. things. That's that's culture, man. You know, I guess that's. I think that in essence is the definition of, of culture yeah. and art is that right now is the moment I'm in, I'm imbuing something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that I am because we're just chatting, but <laughs> but the past is also hard. I harken back to that, whether I yeah. like to or not. That's why music all sounds like the Beatles. And then before that, Fair Robert enough. Johnson, right? So it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's all that shit. Yeah. So they moved you to New York. Were you kicking and screaming? Uh, or was I wasn't. It a... I was stupid enough to accept a $50,000 salary to manage a 15,000 square foot restaurant. Oh, my God. And in New York, that puts you below the poverty line. That's poverty right. line. Um, so I stayed there for, I was probably only there for two months. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, the, the guy who was supposed to be the general manager at the time, uh, Manit was going over to India, and uh, the general manager at the time had a uh, a little klepto problem and Uh-oh. stole a few grand out of the safe and disappeared. Oh, um, and I had some personal stuff going on, and so it was this perfect storm of terrible. And uh, I moved back to Chicago because uh, it just, I don't know, you can't survive on 50 grand in New York. No, I had no friends. Not. All I did was watch double features, and I only paid for one of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what it was. Did you head back to the restaurant biz or was it pure bar stuff um, at that point? Well, I went back to Chicago um, and this was actually when the recession hit. And so even though you've bartended at these nice restaurants, you've worked with these great chefs, you've managed these places. When a recession hits, all the people from the other industry start waiting tables. That's right. All the servers yeah. move up. All the bartenders move up to management. Yeah. And nobody wants to hire anybody that's industry anymore because those people aren't going to be as obedient as that secretary that had to give up her job. You think um, that's true, though? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, just, when you they're, they're the fear. Uh, well, it's not guys? a fear, but uh, when when a recession hits, everybody has this little "is my job secure" thing. Yeah. And if a manager hires someone that has done their job and could possibly do it better, that endangers their job security. I see. And so that's definitely a factor. That's fair. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then I moved down to to Houston shortly after that. Why Houston? Uh, my sister lived here. No kidding. Yeah, my ex boyfriend. Pulled some shady shit and got himself gonorrhea and uh, <laughs> didn't get it from me. 
You got it from riding a tractor. We all know. (laughs) Of course. That's how, that's how everything happens. (laughs) Um, and, uh, so I left him and, uh, couldn't find a job in Chicago again. And I called my sister up and she was like, you want to sleep on my couch or your mama's? And so Houston went. Where in Houston did she live? Uh, Well, she lived in, uh, what are they called? Westbury? I don't know. It's like Southwest Houston. Oh, okay. uh, Over near Meyerland. Okay, got it. it. Um, But she actually just moved to San Antonio. Okay. Yeah. So you guys were close and now a little bit further, but I suppose I'll Uh, still be close. Yeah. I mean, now that well, I'm with Farsay, I get to float around the whole state, and so I'll get that's to see her. That's a good point, her. too. Yeah. I'm a Katie kid. My oh, yeah? yeah? I went to high school there. I like it. It was a terrible thing. It happens. The only school handbook that explicitly stated that you can't have relations with farmyard animals. I'm not even Wait, that was in the... That was actually in the student in handbook. Man. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep, the 90s, man. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> um, interesting. Yeah. Okay. But it sounds like you're moving into Houston at a time where things are really, really starting to emerge. Was Anvil there yet? And Bobby um, Stewart, was he still at Houston's, if I recall? Uh, I think he was actually at Beavers Oh, right before. Because okay, okay. the day he signed the lease at Anvil, he told uh, the owners at Beavers, and they let him go immediately, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I think Anvil opened, oh, Anvil opened in 2009. Okay. So it had probably just opened when I moved there. Wow. Um, yeah. Did you start seeing thing? Did you start seeing the writing on the wall and saying like, maybe Houston becomes this cocktail mecca, or were you just kind um, of living it? And- I don't even know that like I was processing it as an industry or like yeah. a culture of its own, because I was still just working in bars. Right? Does that make sense? Sure. It wasn't. Um, a lot of people still say, "Oh, I'm just a bartender," but it's like there's an, a lucrative nature to it and a movement yeah. to it. That- I would say I'm still just a bartender. It's yeah. a bar. I tend to it. Uh, mixologists tend to to write menus at a desk, yeah. maybe in a, a cocktail lab. Or and it takes at least 30 minutes to prepare those mustaches. Uh, yes, for sure. <laughs> the for wax sure. and the yeah, grooming. There's a lot to do. There is a whole lot um, to do. But people come up and they're like, oh, no, you're a mixologist. And I'm like, no, my primary function is to tend to the bar. Yeah. So that would be my job function. Do I create cocktails? Do they go on the menu? Sure. Um, but it's not the primary function. Does that make sense? It does make sense. So I'm not offended when people call me young mixologist. It's just not what I am. Yeah. I've been a mixologist before with glaciers. Oh, that's right. Um, but that's just not what I am. So what was the first maybe, not change of heart, but enlightening moment or enlightening job um, in Houston for you? So I worked at this place called Hearsay. Um, and the Market Square neighborhood downtown where now you have the Okra Charity Saloon and uh, Pastry War and Bad mm-hmm. News Bar and uh, there's a bunch of stuff that's popped up there. But at the time, there was all of these super old bars like La Carafe and Warren's and mm-hmm. Char Bar. Um, and then there was just this beautiful like 60-foot ceiling, amazing historic building. Wow. Um, and I worked there for a little bit. And uh, once I was behind the bar... For some reason, like there's a lot of restaurants that have people that own them, especially in Houston uh-huh. for some reason, uh, where they don't necessarily know the industry that they've bought into. Sure. Uh, which is the case with a lot That's, of restaurants and bars. The domain here is turning into Not that. uncommon at all. Yeah. Um, and one of the beautiful things for someone that maybe doesn't have that uh, detail, because I was much more a wine guy before yeah. I was a spirits guy. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, when we were at Vermilion in Chicago, it was all about the wine. I could tell you the vintage. I could tell you the hillside, all that stuff. And it was great. Yeah. I got my level one when I first moved to Houston to oh, make amazing. sure that I could move up that ladder if I needed to. Um, 
but I quickly realized that wine does not tap into the creativity, which at the end of the day, being a, a child of a musician and yeah. uh, that is something that I need to tap into Keeps for my own happiness. Yeah. Um, and a cocktail gives you that opportunity. Sure. Like I can create a cocktail. I can create an experience with wine, but I can create a cocktail. Yeah. Um, and so at Hearsay, they just let me do whatever I wanted. And That's as long amazing. as the four costs were fine and all the money was good. And sure, I wrote the cocktail menu and uh, put some good things on it that were steady and made sense. But I would go to the farmer's market almost every day before my shift. And I would pour on-the-spot originals. People would order stuff off the menu. And I'm like, how about we do this? Um, and then I started doing this like almost mind fucking okay <laughs> not in like a, a bad way right uh, but i'm a very energy feeling person i'm a okay. pisces so like oh, a ball yeah. of emotions is very much a thing for me yes um but when i would talk to people like if you tell me the things you like and it's a very clinical like i like rum i like citrusy i can satisfy it sure but i'm not gonna feed it and so when i would talk to people i'd be like what'd you eat for breakfast when you were little because then what you're doing is you're establishing what their first meal of the day was at a time when they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. But that will always make them feel at home. Interesting. And then you ask them what their favorite dessert is. Because when a cocktail, there's going to be some degree of sweetness. And sure. maybe it's key lime pie. Maybe it's chocolate mousse. Right, right. Whatever. But it gives you a, an idea of where that is. Mm. And then I would always ask them their sign. What, because I would, That's good. I like that. <laughs> tell me tell me how that matters. So well, I mean, I love when signs. When I was in college... Don't think I'm alone, and I smoked copious amounts of marijuana. No. But I also uh, read quite a few books on horoscopes. Yeah. And uh, when you start getting into astrology, I don't think that a, a sign tells you who you are. No. But it will tell you how you process who you are. Very true. Um, I think I actually feel like they are relatively accurate parameters on how you sure. react with the world. I mean, they're not going to uh, compensate for the the nurturing and right. or how trauma. You've been raised. Like it's that. not going to compensate for any of that. Um, but my horoscope actually did predict a trauma. My horoscope said my father would die when I was little, and he died when I was six. Are you kidding me? That's a thing. That is there's, crazy. There's a few little things in there. Uh, it's almost with too the too hard. It's too, creepy. Yeah, it's not a quint. It can't be yeah. a coincidence. Yeah, yeah. Um, but once you start to realize how people process themselves and the world around them, then all you have to do is talk them into the way that they want. Yeah. So, like a Taurus. Well, Take their words more seriously, mm -hmm. because if it's not the words that came out of their mouth, they're not going to like it. And so that's not a person that I'm going to go like super off base with. Sure. But you get a Sagittarius, you can go anywhere with a Sagittarius. Tell they're me, fiery, they don't care. My wife's a Leo. I've dated multiple Leos. They are very ferocious. They're very, For sure. very strong headed. Uh, which I is would great. process that close to the same way I process a Taurus. Interesting. Yeah. But you always walk gingerly around a Leo. Uh, always. What about Aquarius? Which is one. Uh, Aquarius, good. Um, We're pretty. I'm pretty open. So I process the the zodiac the same way that you process a life cycle. Okay. And so when you're talking about Aries, Aries is the first sign. Mm -hmm. uh, very, uh, very debonair sign. Okay. Um, they generally have their stuff together, but there are moments where uh, they just don't understand it because, like, before you're two or three years old, you just don't understand things about the world, and they'll right. catch themselves in situations, and they're like, "I don't understand," and it's like. Circle in a square. Why doesn't it fit? Do they get frustrated? For sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Taurus is your terrible twos, where it's like oh, man. you run into a wall and you're like, I'm gonna knock this wall down. Right. The Aries Punch is like, it. I don't know why there's a wall here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Gemini is the next sign, so that's when kids are starting to go to school and they form this little 
who I am around mommy and who I am around other people. Yeah. And it gets very split personality. But just for that sign. Yeah. And then you settle back down into it. But when you get into Aquarius and Pisces, Aquarius is the uh-huh. second to last sign and Pisces is the They're last. last right? um, and Aquarius is very, uh, very headstrong, uh, like, you know when somebody's retired, but they still have that type A gene, uh-huh. and they're going to ride that out for a little while? That's very much Aquarius for me. That makes sense. Um, and then Pisces is your grandpa that doesn't put pants on anymore, because he does not give, give a Give a shit. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, like that, that point where you realize the things that matter and the things that don't, that's where the Pisces is. And that's it's amazing. like, this shit does not actually matter. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the way I process that's it. A, but Aquarius is very great. much a... I don't know. We're, like we're a, very confident, but I feel like we're amenable to change. We're amenable to yeah, for people's sure. suggestions yeah. more than some of the like the yeah. fire signs. For sure. Yeah, because they're yeah. like, but I'm not comfortable with that. This <laughs> yeah. is the thing I want. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Okay, yeah. Whatever Capricorn is actually one of the most ferocious signs. Are they really? Oh, yeah. What what, uh, what month? Um, Capricorn is late December, early okay. January. Okay. So, yeah, um, really very strong personalities. Very guarded. Guarded. Yeah, but that whole uh, that Taurus gene is very much with them. Like I'm gonna put my foot in the mud and I'm yeah. not moving. It's yeah. so strange. How did it go over that approach to giving people cocktails? Like people loved it because you're and playing to their ego two purposes, in a way. Because you're playing to their ego, they feel like everything you're about to pour is hyper personalized, even yeah. if it's some pink shit with vodka for whatever girl walked up. Right, right. But also, I can sit there and talk to somebody for five minutes about themselves, and they love it. And it gives me five minutes to finish all the drinks I was making for the people that aren't them. That's good process. So it, it's it, workflow management. That's good. It's workflow management. Yeah. I'm not going any faster. Yeah. But I'm making it so that they don't realize it, which at the end of the day, that experience is my job. So you, it sounds like you like people because they're puzzles. You uh, like to understand people? Is that, am I reading that the right way? Maybe. It sounds I like, know. I mean, if we were to file, because in a way, when you yeah. talk about the personalities of people, the yeah. best way, the best nomenclature to file them and index them is by their sign. And I feel yeah. that way. Now, a lot of people might disagree and say, well, I'm a behavioral psychologist. It's actually just about reinforcement. Like, yeah. But then okay. you get into a whole philosophical but, all right, debate. Fine. Right. Like, all right, cool. Exactly. But it seems like you're a humanist. Well, yeah. You know? And a lot of people aren't. People, yeah. like, they just want to do their thing. They want to go clock in and, like, go yeah. feel important. Yeah. satisfied creatively and then they want to get out but I think you really want to connect with people it feels well, that way to me I mean after a certain point like there's a reason that a lot of people get out of this industry <laughs> five six <laughs> years in yeah. it's like there's a lot of stress you got to deal with drunk people I got right. slapped in the face on Friday night I, I read about that yeah, I mean, wait, did I, yeah I think I read about that yeah you did um, and at the end of the day like I want a place to express my creativity and one of the beautiful things about a bar is you can create all of all of these sensory things. Yeah. Um, so you can put the music together. You can decide the color of the walls, the stain of the wood. And then you actually get to feed someone a feeling. And you yeah. get to put that inside them and let them enjoy it. And that's a really beautiful thing because yeah, there aren't a lot of places where you can fully appeal to all of the senses. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, of course it does. Um, I, mean, that's a, I think it, that's why I like it. <laughs> it's because well, it's I live with rose-colored glasses on for my entire life. Yeah, until they slapped keep... off your face on Friday, I guess. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but I was still smiling after yeah. it, you know? Um, but it, it's the only way that you can really create yeah. an environment, whether it's of this world or another. Uh, That's you know, a beautiful it's just way a, to look at it, though. Yeah. It doesn't always get that poetic when I talk to people about cocktails. Yeah. Talk about art or whatever, right? And yeah. I think that's wonderful. 
And it sounds like, you know, at least in Texas, you've moved through all the tiers. So if I recall, yeah. you were at Anvil for a bit. Were you the GM at Anvil? Uh, I was the assistant GM. The assistant GM. Uh, Matt Tanner was the GM okay, at the nice. time. Yeah. Okay. And he's at Papa's now? Is that right? He's at Papa's, yeah. yeah. Good, good uh, group at that point? Good fine talent at Anvil? Uh, it was. It was a very different group. Yeah. Uh, we were much more bulldogs than the group that's back there okay. now. <laughs> They're much nicer to each other yeah. nowadays. Um, but no, I mean, it, the thing about Anvil is it, it pushes you so hard that you can't help but love those people. No yeah. matter how much you hate them or want to hate them, you just love them. Yeah. Uh, and you go through that with somebody and like you get your ass handed to you over and over. And they're like, cool, I love you. You can't slow down. Right. But it's, it's just this unrelenting, this is what you're doing. Like it's not trying to get there. This is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was a really beautiful thing there. Uh, but then after that, I was with Glaciers. That's what so I was I, did gonna, the, I was curious why you jumped across. Um, you know, Tears, uh, my husband and I had talked about having children. Mm-hmm. We still want to have children someday. The older we get, the yeah. less likely that is. But How long we'll have you guys been married? Uh, almost four years. It'll That's be amazing. four years in November. And uh, someone you met in the industry, outside the industry? No, no. I, 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 no, made, I knew that you... Uh, See, no, overwhelming yes for like, fuck that, no, no way. Uh, he's actually a nurse at Texas Children's Hospital. Oh, amazing. Um, and he did bedside in the ER with children, which is my personal hell, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't even imagine but the, it's the faces and the feelings. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, and now he does uh, Infomatics, so he builds out like databases. Amazing. Uh, yeah. What sign is he? I'm just curious. Uh, he's a Taurus. Oh, that's yeah. how you knew. I'm a Pisces. I'm a ball of emotions with no grounding whatsoever. <laughs> so I needed an Earth sign to that's right. keep me on the planet. It makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, it does. But so it makes some sense then. Like, I want a nine to five, maybe. Yeah. I want to have a time to come home. I want to have weekends yeah. off. So Glazers seems yeah. like a good opportunity. Did they come well, to you or did you uh, pursue They came it? to me. Uh, it seems like it seemed like a wonderful opportunity for several reasons because mm-hmm. at some point, um, I'd love to get involved in the production of a spirit sure. or the oh, production yeah. of a liqueur or a wine or um, something on that side. Yeah. And so when you're in a bar, there's no chance that you're going to have time to take those trips. Right. Um, and especially at Anvil at the time, we, we just didn't get to travel as much. Um, and so getting that proximity to the distillers and getting to go um, to all these different places and go down to Peru and see Pisco Porton and yeah. hang out in Kentucky and the Rick Houses and talk Not to all so these bad. people. Um, it was wonderful. Um, but at the end of the day, like distribution, there's a certain amount of, but how many cases did you sell? That's right. So no matter how creative you wanted to be, Your hands you were tied. creating programs for these bars that didn't want to put in the energy themselves, which means once they roll it out, they didn't actually want to put in the energy to execute it. That's right. And yeah. a lot of times they would just cut your menu up and it didn't matter. And they didn't give you notification because I wasn't being paid for it, mm. but not by them at least. Um, and it just, like you put so much creative love into it and then people are like, I'm going to take just this one cocktail. And you're like, that's awesome. Um, but it just, it didn't feed me. Yeah. Um, and so I had to come back to the other side. Yeah. How long were you doing the Glazers thing then? I put in my notice on my one year anniversary. It's enough to know. That was enough, yeah. And then was bad news the... Uh, bad news was not, no. I ended up working at a... Oh, yeah, you mentioned Julep. You mentioned... I've bopped around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. It. All the great spots, at least. Ah, they're good ones, yeah. yeah. I was at Julep for a little bit, uh, and then bad news. Yeah. Yeah. Justin's a good dude. He's a great dude. He's yeah. a true Houston keyboardist. For sure, yeah. <laughs> I could see why you'd want to work around him. Um, he's kind of creative, no, isn't he? Like. Well, he's he's super creative, but also one of the beautiful things uh, 
like in every other industry, when you hire someone, like if you go looking for an accountant, it's not like, all right, I'm going to hire you and turn you into an accountant. Right. Which is what you do with a lot of bars, especially the cocktail bars. You'll hire somebody from Chili's or some beer bar outside. And, uh, you know, you just kind of have to figure out how they're going to fit into it. Yeah. Um, and Justin is lucky enough that he keeps a, a super tiny staff. There are three bartenders, two barbacks, and Justin. That's, and that's crazy. It. Wow. Um, but with that small of a staff, a lot of times you can attract because it's constructed the white way so that everybody actually makes money, mm. um, you can attract enough talent that you don't have to train it. And so, like, right now we have this one girl that we're training, but that's the first person that we've trained at Bad News. Really? Aside from that, you show up the first day, and it's like, cool, you got this, right? Um, and, yeah, there are standards as far as the cocktails, but he doesn't hire people that don't understand them already. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind, of, it's kind of a beautiful thing. It's a super group. Yeah. I mean, we don't have we don't have a manager. That's not a thing. Yeah. Um, but when you're ride or die with four or five people, there's no room for beef. There's no room for like, oh, God, I wish he would not because there's only five people. Right. You guys are like uh, astronauts. Yeah? Is that what's up? Think about it because I keep going. I For some reason, I keep thinking about Apollo 13. Because we're the, all in this together. Yeah, you're in yeah. it together. You either all die together for or sure. you all flourish together. Yeah. Right? And I think yeah. that it's only as good as the weakest person. Yeah, for sure. You know, and since you're all great, then it's going to be great. Yeah. But the one thing that that kind of atmosphere creates is like there's no tension because it's like, oh, I can't believe he's telling me to do this because there's nobody to tell you to do things. Right. You're a grown up. You're a professional. Just fucking do it. Just do your job. Yeah. Um, and so we, we keep each other pushing. That's incredible. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I don't have a boss to work for, but I have these two people that help me make money yeah. every Friday and Saturday night. And there's only three of us. So we're all there. There's Friday, Saturday night. Um, that's just what it is. Well, it becomes apparent the guy that yeah. can't keep up, right? Well, it's you don't there's nowhere to, to hide. There's yeah. nowhere to hide for anybody. Exactly. And it's like, oh, this person's working hard. I got to work harder. That's an and amazing. You concept. all just do it. That's like that, that is the group you want to be in. Yeah. You know, it's pretty fantastic. And I imagine you know the things that Glazers, or rather the reason you kind of transitioned into that in the first place for that year, want to be closer to distillers, want to be yeah. closer to the products, get to see yeah. it. And you talk about Kentucky. It also just gives Peru. you an amazing amount of perspective. Oh, for sure. Uh, well, you the more experiences you have, the better perspective yeah. you've got. But also, like, one of the struggles that, that you get in cocktail bars especially is, how do I stay nice to these people mm -hmm. and tell them that I'm never going to carry Vanique? Right. You know, like, <laughs> how do you not offend those people? Um, and working with glaciers, you start to see what their checklists look like. So, like, what do they have to check off here? Right. What do they have to check off here? And they all want to play games with you. They all want to spend money with you, and they want the the, the exposure. Sure. And there's a very careful way to figure that out so that it's still 100% you yeah. that's getting presented to people. Um, and so it, it, it gave me a lot of perspective on, like, how those people are going to approach me, the tactics that they're going to try have, to utilize. You have insight. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I actually sold cars for a little bit, and so, like, all I the sales techniques... <laughs> What um, kind of cars? I'm just curious. I sold Hondas. I love Hondas. I can't sell anything I don't believe in, and we drove Hondas all the time. Me too. Up. We're agreeing on that point, um, which is good. But yeah, you're right. Like insider, tra you just you you were there. You knew yeah. how the you shit get it. went down. You yeah. really did. Yeah. So it makes sense then that because <laughs> you keep expanding your portfolio of experiences. Yeah. Your resume keeps getting yeah. padded with more and more. Yeah, things. for sure. And so this latest chapter with Parsley Rum, there's an eight and a twelve. But how did that hook up how did you hook up with those guys uh so a good friend of mine he was actually uh 
when I was bartending at Hearsay, uh-huh. uh, he was cooking in the kitchen at Hearsay. Okay. Um, and he moved into a role with Pioneer Spirits. Oh. Um, and he runs all of the spirits for Pioneer at this point um, wow. in all the markets that they're in. Where Where is um, uh, he located then? Uh, he's he's based in Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. Uh, but we were at Bar Institute in Austin, and uh, he was like, you'd work for a ga- or a, for a brand, right? Oh, so this is just in June. Oh, yeah. And this one, oh, oh this shit. Is, okay. <laughs> he was like, you'd work for a brand, right? And I was like, I mean, maybe if it made sense. Like, I'm not trying to go, like, right. shove shit on people. I don't really want to sell anything, but, like, if the juice is good, it's pretty, everything makes sense, they're yeah. covering all their bases, then they'll let me be honest. That's something I Perfect. can get behind. Sure. Um, and he was like, okay. And then he calls me the next day, and he's like, so remember that brand gig you wanted? <laughs> and I was like, so maybe that's not how it went, but, uh, but was go like, on. Did get too much? Was he um, and he was like, he wants to talk to you tomorrow. And I was like, all right, cool. Uh, and so I talked to Matt. Uh, he worked with High West before, Matt oh, Gerritsen. Okay. Uh, like the midsummer or uh, midwinter nights dram. Dram, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's good stuff. What's the other one? Uh, the campfire. Campfire, yeah. Those There's were Ronnie projects Food, that yeah. he was in charge of. Wow. Yeah. Um, but he's with Parse now, and he called me up and talked through it, and he was like, "So what do we do?" Um, and this is like the second or third time that like I haven't had an interview for a thing, which mm-hmm. is really weird for me. And they only asked to see my resume out of like a, a standard procedure mm-hmm. thing. Um, but he was like, so you want to do this? <laughs> and I was like, I mean, this is a you don't know me, but okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and we talked for a little bit and uh, kind of how it was going to be structured. And I was like, I still want to bartend. That's, that's very much a thing I want to do. And he was like, yeah, we can do that. Um, so we, we figured it out so that I could market for them. Um, and it's beautiful juice. It's got a good story. Um, and if I was going to start a rum company, they're actually doing almost everything I would be doing. So um, aesthetically... Love the bottle. Gorgeous. Love the enclosures. You get an eight ball and then a yeah. twelve. Really, really <laughs> yeah. nice. Like kind of kit, you know, yeah. kitschy, but in a really good way. Yeah. And then we're sipping on. So let's dive into it then. So parse, cool. which is kind of bro, right? You said partner. Uh, parse like, is how you say uh, like homie or home. pal or buddy in Colombia. Um, and so the the story with this, there's a the Powers Brothers out of Chicago. Okay. Uh, they took a trip down to Colombia and were absolutely enamored with it. Uh, so much so that Bogota, they were like, right? uh, Medellin. Medellin, yeah. oh. Okay. Uh, and they went down there and they were just in awe. And they were like, we got we to gotta do this. I don't know what we're going to do, but we got to do it. Uh, and so they, they found a way to, to hook up with uh, Arthur and Virgin, uh, one of the brothers, Patrick Powers. Uh, he actually lives down in uh, Medellin. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and a good friend of his, who's also an investor in the company, uh, ha- had a relationship with Arthur and Brogen uh, Domecq. And between the two of them, they've been making rum for about 50 years down wow. in Colombia. Um, and it's interesting, the, the climate in Colombia, when it comes to sugar, uh, it's great for it. They're actually one of the largest exporters of sugar in the world. But because they can get so much more for it outside of their own borders, mm-hmm. almost 100% of that is exported. Yeah. Uh, and there's only one still that's producing rum in Colombia. Only one still? Only one still. It's uh, got to be massive, I hope. Well, it is. Okay. But there's, there's a couple other things. So the, the way that it has worked in Colombia, there were department-owned uh, stills. And mm-hmm. so most of them shut down with the exception of Fabrica de Licores y Alcoholes uh, de Antioquia. 
which is FLA for short. Okay, okay. Uh, but that's the distillery in Colombia. And there are only 10 rums that come out of Colombia at all. Wow. Um, and not all of them use Colombian rum. Really? But, well, it's common, I yeah, think. For... But none of them are 100% Colombian um, because there's just not enough juice to go around. And really? when you're state-owned, there's a little bit of like, I don't, I don't, I don't know quite how the political scheme works, but uh, well, it's a, it's a very, very destabilized place at some yeah, point, you know. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, I think they just signed a deal with the FARC, so there's some, there's some balance coming to it. Good. Um, but, uh, but they were just so in love with Colombia that they were like, we're going to do this, and so they have a little bit of the juice coming off of FLA. Uh, in our blend, uh, we actually use uh, some rum out of Trinidad. Oh, wow. A okay. little bit out of Panama for a nice clean balance in there. Yeah. Uh, and then Guyana for some rich sweetness underneath. Amazing. Um, so typically with Colombian rum, if you were to say it tastes different in this particular way, what might that be? Because I so, don't know that I've ever had that juice by itself. So when you taste it, uh, I, I I have had it by itself yeah. one time. And I'm not positive that it was 100% Colombia, but I there's a, a rum called Ron Medellin uh, that comes out of FLA, and it actually carries the name on there. And at one point, it was 100% out of FLA. Okay. I have two old bottlings of the three-year, and I think one of them is probably 100%. Amazing. But as time went on, it got less so. Yeah. But when you taste this, so Trinidad, I always associate with like a, a sharper, woodier character. Yeah, and so you definitely get that. Uh, think sure. like Angostura five-year, seven-year. Yep. Um, very stand-up, uh, kind of drier side rums. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guyana, obviously, you get that rich, hearty sweetness. And it uh, gives you a nice little depth to this one. Uh, Panama gives an incredible balance. Uh, so it tends to be a little drier, uh, a little heartier. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that does is it pulls all the other things so that they, they hit the same line and get that, that beautiful texture that you feel. But there's this wonderful, gorgeous, like, heathery chocolate, um, almost like... Chocolate. Chocolate is yeah, absolutely, for sure. yeah. But it almost gets to this, like blackberry place for me mm-hmm. um and that's the colombian oh, does that make sense fuck yeah it makes yeah. sense <laughs> you know uh, that good stuff you're tasting that's lingering in the back of your yeah. palate that makes you want to eat some I mean, chocolate there you go. there's a good amount of richness that comes out of panama but uh yeah. but no it's got but i'm getting all of that i'm getting kind of yeah. some salinity right and i, yeah. I don't like tasting notes but but i yeah. like that i'm getting so many different colors yeah of for flavor sure. you know yeah. getting grassy i'm getting i'm getting a lot of wood yeah, as you said, and then there is that luscious coffee chocolate thing. Yeah, the cocaine thing. No, I'm kidding. Uh, at the back, <laughs> <laughs> at the back, you know, it's really lovely. And this is the eight year. And as yeah. you guys make sure to absolutely claim every drop is not no coloring, no coloring, and it is all aged eight years, all aged eight years, which is a brilliant achievement. Yeah. it takes a long time to do that. Yeah, shit. no, and there's a lot of rums. You'll see a number on there. There's some whiskeys that play it too, oh, where yeah. it's like it's the old number eight, old number twelve, right? But, um, and it's probably not twelve years old, no. um, but that happens a little more frequently with the rum. But yeah, but yeah every drop is eight years. Every What's drop the, is twelve years. The proof on the eight uh, the proof on the eight and the twelve year are both uh, eighty proof. Eighty proof. Okay. Uh, we actually have a three year that'll be coming out um, that is phenomenal. Uh, so like all of that chocolate, yeah, kind of soft. Uh, fuzzy texture fuzzy. is very apparent. <laughs> um, First time that apparent. I heard that as a tasting note, yeah. and I love it. It's great. But you get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with the three-year, uh, a lot of times people will take their three-year rum and they'll strip all the color out so that you get that white rum because yeah. then you can get the vodka drinker to sip it. Um, and we didn't do that. So I'm it so is glad this you didn't bright yellow color, and it's amazing. Um, 
I, lo- I love it that there's, you know, a lot of people are always saying that older is better and, and, and it's preposterous because yeah. some old stuff's horrible, some yeah. young stuff's horrible. So well, I don't, I don't use the word better. Which word do you use? Um, I, better seems like a great qualifier, like, mm-hmm. but better suited mm-hmm. is more what I'm thinking. Because like, is this rum better? I don't know. Is it better for you? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a much tougher question because I don't know you. But that's where you hook people behind the bar with that like, I'm going to tailor this to you. Even if it's not perfectly tailored to you, I'm going to make you think that. Yeah. Um, but better, I, I don't know, it just seems like such a useless word to me. What's well, almost, uh, what's the word? An aspersion. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, this is better. Yeah. But better, it's like, I already know what your priority is and this one's better. Yeah. I don't know what your priorities are. That's a great point. You could be looking for a cheap bottle of Again, the humanist how. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, True empathy coming through here. I mean, that's really, really a lot of empathy. Yeah. I think so, because you don't want to overtake them with your own yeah. ego. You want to understand theirs yeah. and then frame it to their the way they're yeah. feeling. That's empathy, yeah. I think. I think it might be a little more angry. I read fish. a book <laughs> at one point that had the word in there. I think that's yeah. what I looked <laughs> And so you guys also have the 12-year expression. So this eight-year, really, really nice. Still yeah. some lightness. Yeah, for and sure. And I'm imagining, just from the sheer color here looking, I'll take a picture in a moment, but even more complexity? Let's. I, will, I really like to find out. So uh, you mentioned the bottle earlier. Uh, San Francisco Wine and Spirits competition last year was one of the, the first major things that Parse put itself into. Uh, and uh, we did pretty well. So communally, they won uh, a double gold medal for bottle design. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, the eight-year won a gold medal, but the 12-year won best in show. Best in show. Yeah, not easy I'm, to do. I'm about to sip the best in show. You're about to sip the best in show. From the San Francisco Spirits. Indeed. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. We know um, all that. Same. That's a it's yeah. great, great. That's a great content. Yeah. No, it's a good one. But uh, the smells lovely. I mean, something so romantic about aged rums. I don't know why people don't necessarily get it all the time. It's one of the things that I always think is funny is that when people think about smoking cigars, yeah, um, they always want to pair a scotch with it or a bourbon. Why? Um, and it can be great. Sco- bourbon, I think, is closer to this. Yeah. Right? Scotch a little drier. And but scotch. Pretty- is by design a little caustic. And yeah. so if you add tobacco to it, it creates this, uh, it's a little more abrasive and yeah. maybe people are into that. Sure. Um, but one of the most beautiful experiences I ever had with rum was in the Dominican Republic. And uh, obviously Brugal's there and they own half the world. Like all the baseball stadiums are mm-hmm. by Brugal. <laughs> I think there were a few street signs that Brugal paid for too. But uh, you forget that cigars aren't made in Scotland. They're made in the Caribbean and South America. And so when you go to a country that creates this beautiful spirit, uh, one thing that they also do is bottle it at 70 proof. For the majority of South America and Central really? America is bottled at 70 proof. Um, it's just a, that's what they settled on. We settled on 80. It's just yeah. different. Um, but they tend to be a little softer, a little smoother, a little easier to drink in Central American heat. But also you can take a little tour and they'll have all the rums that they make in the Dominican and the, uh, There'll be this little lady sitting, and it's almost always a lady, at least the four or five that I saw when we were down there. Abelitas all over. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And she's sitting in uh, like the drying house for the tobacco. And she's just sitting at this table with what looks like a pizza cutter to me, Uh just banging it out. And she cuts this cigar and rolls it up into the most perfect thing and then sets it to dry. And it's immaculate. And you're just sitting there 
smoking one of the cigars she rolled a couple weeks ago that's already dried out, drinking this rum that was made 30, 40 miles down the street. And that is actually how you're supposed to smoke cigars. Well, I don't think I want to do it any other way now. Know, Jesus, right? man. Yeah. Changed my mind on it yeah. a lot. <laughs> but especially with this one, like that oh. that rich kind of nutty chocolate tone. Right. But it's slightly sm- sm- uh, slightly more masculine this time yeah. around. Yeah. And slightly more suited for a cigar this time around, yeah. too, I think. Because it's not as sweet, but it is more brooding. You know? Oliver Reed. Yeah. No, it's got a little more kick behind it. It does, yeah. Um, No, a lot of people, when they taste it, uh, they're like, oh, it reads like a whiskey. And I'm like, that's adorable. Yeah. Um, (laughs) It reads like a whiskey. Yeah. And you're like, okay, so sharply woody, has some grainy character to it, (laughs) and you have a terrible palate. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, it reads like a whiskey to some extent, because you do get a lot of the oak tones. uh, Yeah, but it's But there's so much that's unmistakably rum about it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. It's just mm. rich, lush, it's fat. Mm-hmm. The finish is beautiful, <laughs> though. Uh, I think the eight-year finish might actually last a little bit longer. It does. Yeah. This is slightly crisper. Yeah. About, But these things, like, I don't, they'd make an amazing cocktail. Yeah. But they make an amari- amazing spirit. Oh, my God. Spirit. A daiquiri with the eight-year? Oh, yeah, I can't. It's funny because you think that you know what it's going to taste like, and then you taste it, and it gets this almost like creamy vanilla. Yeah. Like citrus breaks this stuff up. It's crazy. Yeah. No, it's nuts, and yeah. and you don't even think about that. But mm. uh, yeah, it's very it's it's insane. I'm so I can becomes real clear as to why these would yeah. be the brands you'd pick. Yeah, for sure. Eight it's years, lovely. Amazing. Twelve years, yeah, lovely. And what kind of so this is pretty new. When did these find? When did these hit the Texas market? So these came into Texas last month. That's what I was going to say. It's pretty Super new, new, right? Yeah, um, but they're doing some really cool things. I mean, not only do they have a, a beautiful bottle, they have a great rum. Uh, they're covering all the bases, and they're letting me tell the truth about it, which yeah. is something that not all the spirits companies. Or pe- do. And people are used to hearing the truth. <laughs> yeah, too. I suspect people how. are definitely used to hearing the truth <laughs> from me. Um, but also, when you're a couple white guys out of Chicago and you, you're hanging out with some guys in Colombia, uh, there's a certain amount of, you got to form a connection to that land. Oh, and yeah. so they really wanted to to not just be from Colombia, but they wanted to be for Colombia. Um, because there are a lot of people in Colombia that are working on this. All of the glass and all of the, the products for the bottle are sourced and produced in Colombia. Oh, it's incredible. Glass um, is not easy to come by in that area. It's not, but it all comes... Actually, from the same region that we're uh, aging and bottling in. Wow. Um, but they also do this beautiful thing. Uh, in Colombia, there's a, a good amount of coca farmers, mm-hmm. which you might be familiar with. Sure. Narco season two starts on yeah. uh, September 2nd. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, and uh, there's also a lot of loggers and strip miners that are ripping up the Amazon. Yeah. Um, and when you think about the experience of being in Colombia that the Powers Brothers fell in love with, it wasn't just the rum or sitting on the beach because a lot of times when people think about rum they're like oh we're just chilling on the beach you know tiki whatever right right um and this is very much mountain rum because when you look at colombia all of their major cities are right in the mountains and so no even if you're in the city you're looking out at this gorgeous green mountain face um and one thing that you need for there to be a green mountain face is those trees so we plant one for every bottle that we sell to try and back some of that up um but do, yeah. you, do you like hitting the road? I mean, this seems like a slightly different version of a job you were doing. Yeah, for so sure. You were just in San Antonio last night, right? 
Uh, or was it a couple nights ago? No, I was in San Antonio two weeks ago. Oh, okay. Uh, I was in Austin and Dallas last week. I just uh, know it's been a long Texas tour here the yeah, past couple of weeks. It's not stopping. Do you like that part of it? Um, I do. But the reason that this is a little different than distribution is this is just one brand. Yeah. You know, I don't have to worry about a million different people calling me asking why I don't have their spirit on this list. Or, right, right. You know, it's just one room, just me. Um, and it's good stuff. And you believe in the thing. Like, you don't have to divide yourself ac- across no. things that don't make yeah. sense and some do. But this yeah. makes perfect sense. There's no remorse when I go home. I'm not like, man, God, oh, it man. feels terrible selling that delicious rum. <laughs> you know, that it just doesn't happen anymore. You poor uh, bastard. You get to sleep yeah. at night thinking of it. But, I mean, I'm a, I'm a rum guy. Yeah. Uh, I probably have three or 400 bottles of rum sitting on the shelf at oh, home. Oh, that's incredible. Um, and so before I even signed on with the brand, I was like, all right, I got to make sure this is good. And then I lined it up against like Diplomatico's Upper Echelon, yeah. uh, Zacapa, some of the pirate stuff, plenty of your Eldorados, your plantations, because I needed to make sure that I was going to be able to compete and like yeah. I wasn't going to bring this in and people would be like, well, it's not as good as this because it is. Yeah, it um, And in is. most cases, it's, it's better. I um, agree. Yeah. Really nice balance here, man. And, yeah. you know, I I think it's funny because you you have this reputation as an outspoken, honest guy. But the thing that, again, I think is really clear to me, and I, I love that because I want to be invested in good juice, too. Yeah. You know, that's why mezcal is so easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so yeah. much humility in the yeah. guys making that. You can connect to that. Yeah, for sure. Even if I can't speak Spanish, like yeah. I would want to with Acalino. Yeah. I, I still, like, he's he's an amazing person. Yeah. You can tell. And my favorite was seeing a picture of Acalino on the beaver at Bucky's. Oh <laughs> he was coming yeah. back from San Antonio Ama- cocktail conference. Amazing. Yeah. But it's like these little, these rock stars. Yeah. You know? but, you you are about people, and I, yeah. I you know, and I, let me, I'll say it. So if I'm wrong, it's on me, right? But I think you are. I think you want to make sure people have great things, yeah, and that they feel connected to what yeah. they're drinking. It's funny. Uh, so I have a certain amount of uh, I don't want to call it arrogance, but maybe right. pushing in that pomposity. Direction. Well, no, uh, I just like that word. <laughs> <laughs> no, over time. Uh, like, you know how sometimes people put themselves on a pedestal? Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been accused of that a couple of times. And really? It, yeah. And my response was, I'm sorry you haven't lifted yourself up. Because it's, yeah, you're making. Because it's not on me. You're making the dynamic. I don't put myself above you. I yeah. I moved myself up. I mean, I'm you can out. do that too. Yeah, and totally. I try and, you know, you try and lift people up, but um, I don't know. I think it's a great way to look at it. Does if that you, make sense, though? Absolutely. You can totally edit this out. No, no. I think this is a great thing to talk about. I So I have I want content. I love people yeah. like you, yeah. I think. And I love sipping with people and getting to learn their stories and talking yeah. about experience. I love that. Yeah. And I hope that they're okay with me just being a dude. Yeah. I mean, I have this, I'm in the industry and stuff, and that's fine. Yeah. But like, I was like, how? We've never met. Yeah. Doesn't you want to talk? Yeah. You're like, fuck yeah. yeah. All right. Perfect. So there you go. All you got to do is ask. Yeah. You can think women hate you all your life, but it's only because you've never asked them out. Yeah. You know, it's the same kind of oh, thing. Oh, that's funny. It's totally how it goes. Yeah. So where are you headed next? You heading back, you said, to Houston tomorrow, right? Uh, I'm headed to, back to Houston tomorrow. I still got to work behind the bar all weekend. So I'll be Sounds there doing so that. Uh, I'll be in Dallas there. next week. Um, we'll see. It sounds like a good track, man. Yeah. Al, thank you so much for stopping by. Thanks for Thanks allowing for me to me, sit Mike. this the eight-year, the 12-year, this Parse stuff really lovely Good. and it really it. lines up really the best thing will end on narcos watching party <laughs> drinking a colombian rum. we can do that sounds perfect doesn't it
Take Thanks, care, man. Mike. Thank you. Well, there we have it. What do you guys think of the incredible how Brock's been in all areas of this industry, still working the game, and Houston is a craft cocktailist. I almost consider his insight and his passion for horoscopes and astrology and how he can connect people's personalities with the right cocktail. It's something really, really intriguing, and it's something I'd like to talk to Hal more about. He's also traveling this region, pouring the wonderful Parse rum. Again, I tried the 8- and 12-year varieties. It is dry, it's crisp, it's a nice blend of different rums and styles, and honestly, it's something that I hope brings more interest into the category, and rum needs all the love that it can get. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how you're crossing your fingers to see how these election results turn up, or if you're going to eat all of the Twixes and the trick-or-treaters candy bowl, please keep dancing.